It's that time again, so grab yourself a cup of joe and get ready for the cappuccino with Constable Brian. Welcome to the Cappuccino Podcast 2022, first episode, and my guest today is Dr. Rachel McInnes. She has a PhD in organisational psychology. She's a DIY enthusiast. Uh, she's an evidence-based coach, and we'll talk some more about that. Her research for her PhD has been business psychology, Vegas nerd functioning. As she proudly says, there's no gluten-free, dairy-free, taste-free brownies on her watch, and we also know that she's embarrassed to listen to herself on podcasts, so hopefully that doesn't happen today. Speed round dedicated to Speed, the world's greatest police movie. Here we go, Rach. Uh, last book read. Embarrassing. And I do have a hot chocolate in my hand, so that bit was true about the brownies. Yep. Uh, it, it was a series of lectures on evolutionary psychology popped up into a book. There you go. Yep, yeah. okay. Nobody got you like a Christmas book to read or something? No, no. they okay. wouldn't dare. Yeah, okay. They would not dare. All right. The last thing to stress you out was what? Oh, I have to say the world a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And particularly the vaccination division is stressing me out. Right. Yep. I yep. get that. Uh, New Year's resolutions or goals? Uh, okay. So I've dropped New Year's resolutions, even though I support people to make re- resolutions. And instead I have a word of the year and this year it is fun. Awesome. You're on a desert island for three days. What three things do you take? Apart from food and water, we're going to give that to you and shelter. Oh, I am taking... I am taking Chardonnay and box and chocolate brownies. There you go. Perfect. Are you a list maker, a planner, a go with the flow, or a camp mother? I am all of the above. Perfect. Yep. Multiple personalities. Uh-huh. That's what we love. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, the worst piece of advice to do with wellness that you have ever heard in your life is what? Just manifest. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that as well. That's coming soon. Yeah. Uh, and your happy place looks like what? My workshop, my garden. There you go. Can't argue with that. Okay, so let's go. What's COVID, especially the lockdown, been like for you and yours? And how have you coped? It's a question I've asked lots and lots of my guests. Um, now, you're the one who's got the PhD in organisational psychology. So, uh, And like I always say to people, just because people have doctorhoods or you know they've been an SAS chief instructor, it doesn't mean that they'll have their shit together because... Sometimes you guys are the worst. Um, so yeah. what's it look like for you? Uh, yes, and my PhD was such a narrow, funny area and it, interdisciplinary. So yes, I don't. I, I think I, I became the world expert in nothing much. Yep. Uh, so it didn't help much for lockdown. Um, lockdown for me actually, well, because there's a series of them, a lot of them were pretty good because I'm a hermit and I have a cave in my garden that I built and mm-hmm. my daughter's a hermit and we had a great time. However, this last very long lockdown before, towards the end of it I started to really want to just I don't know take off all my clothes and run down the street screaming or <laughs> yeah. something you know yeah. something and I started to really feel that the extroverts and the huge social people and the people by themselves so it got hard but actually one of the hardest things is transitioning out of it because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I actually stayed in lockdown sort of because I'd learnt the habit mm-hmm. of not going out because mm-hmm. I'm a hermit anyway yep. yeah 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 and I hear uh, lots of my friends who are social animals and ring them up hey would you like to oh no we're just going to stay at home and watch TV with Omicron rearing its head soon have you taken any steps to address I'm not going to say that we are going into a lockdown but have you taken any steps to 
anything that may happen with that, like there could potentially be, you know, area restrictions on the traffic lights and everything else. So are you making preparations as we speak or not? Um, my only preparations really are Bunnings purchases because although you can do it online, there's something about walking around. Yep. So I just walk around all the time just in case. That's all right. Else Nothing wrong with that. Uh, okay, now here's I'm the... might attend. I'm actually, I'm not too, you know, I'm, yep. I'm split loyalties. So. I hear you. Okay, right. Now, this is a question I always ask, and I've had a few psychologists and wellness experts and everything else on. What does wellness look like to Dr. Rachel? Okay, what does it look like to me? Yep. Me personally. Yep. Do you know what? To me, it is so much more mental and physical, and I know that breaks all the definitions. Yeah. You know, I'm someone that values health. I'm someone that lives with chronic health health issues. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when I'm eating brownies and drinking Chardonnay, I'm feeling my wellest. Mm-hmm. Not great for like dying young. And yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. Problematic. You know, I'm not rec- not recommending this. It's not <laughs> a Dr. Rachel recommendation. But for me. When I'm working by my values, which is a lot of the work I do, when I am having fun, when I am doing my stuff and connected to my people, that is kind of more important side, which is odd, because if you'd asked me that when I was really, really ill four years ago, I would have said it was being well. Yeah. But yeah. actually, it's, it's, it's much more about being connected to what matters. And one of the, my highest values that plays out so much in my life is freedom. And funnily enough, that's why in some ways I dealt well with lockdown because I could still do a lot of my things. But then when I started to feel my freedom impringed, then it went wrong. Yeah, not wrong. Um, and I think that's something that sometimes people forget that it, is that wellness changes as your years change as well, I think. Yes. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. like when I was 25, running the desert road was something that I did uh, for a, a charity run. That great. That to me was wellness. Now when I look at that, I'm just like, that's just stupidity. No way. Who yes. the hell does I'm that? I'm not going to be running. Yeah, exactly. Any right. Will any of the self-help books, scented candles, help anybody, or is it all just one huge marketing scam? The one that always springs to mind, the one that does, for want of a better word, my absolute head in, is the secret and manifest, manifestations oh, oh. of, you know, if you think about something long enough, it will happen. Well. Most of the people I know about The Secret, none of them had the class to think about world hunger, world peace, uh, the greenhouse effects, or anything else like that. They were manifesting yeah, themselves. They were all manifesting uh, brand new iPhones, cars, and everything else. Uh, is any of it any help or not? What your audience won't see is I was actually clutching my face. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is just a bunch of cod's wallop. Yeah. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean it doesn't help some people. Okay. Yeah. So if I enjoy the secret, if I love, and often a lot of it's associated with rituals, and there's some research that rituals have their own benefit, but it's not because you're really doing anything. It's because yeah. you're in, like celebrities that put on their favorite socks, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It can improve performance, but not because of the socks, because of the process of the ritual. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm not anti anything harmless. No. I'm very, very anti is you doing the secret, it curing you, and then you going and prescribing it to yeah. everyone in your life. Oh my goodness, my aunt's dog read the secret and then they started yeah. pooping every day. You've yeah. got constipation, read the secret. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this idea of manifesting is, it's actually really, really damaging. And there's a particular, we were talking before we went on yep. about Lululemon out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, and yep. there's a particular demographic often targeted with some of these messages. And they're often Lululemon wearing, often white middle-aged women. I'm yep. not quite sure why, but no, that's yeah. the kind of target. And they've already got enough. These, this target have, they're in the middles, they're dealing with kids, they're dealing with stress, and now they're being told they've just got to manifest. So not only are they in a really stressful point in their life, 
and they're being bombarded with having to look just right in their Lululemon, they're now being told that they, they just need to manifest. Mm. So then when they don't because it doesn't work, they feel like failures. Yeah. So I actually think it's got a lot to answer for. And do not get me started on Goop and Gwyneth Paltrow and Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you, you can. Know, yep, yep. Up, up your hoo-ha. Yeah, yeah. So, so some of, if we put all of the what I call crystals and moonbeams, so all of the non-evidence-based stuff into a bucket... Some of it is completely harmless. Yep. Some of it might actually have some science. There's stuff that science hasn't figured out because anything off mainstream science doesn't research well. Yep. Yep. So there might be, you know, weird stuff we all know that happens. There might be something in it. Yep. But there's another bucket of well-researched and dangerous. And it's the, or well-researched and completely harmless, like yep. homeopathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really think for the demographic, the manifest crystals, moonbeams, candles that you are talking, asking about, there is real danger undermining. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, What are the chances of that, using your research and the fact that you're evidence-based, what are the chances of that Christmas bestseller or that New Year's resolution actually working for somebody in 2022? Because when I Googled it and I had a little bit of a look and a bit of a research and everything else, it was probably by about week three to six, they reckon most of the New Year's resolutions are gone. Uh, the Christmas best-selling book, obviously, by that stage, I'm two books in in the year. Uh, what was that book I read by the guy? He, he, he had a few good ideas. There was one of them I can't... can't clear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, can't, can't, can't actually remember. Um, so most of it seems just to go up and smoke. Is it better not to do a New Year's resolution, or do you think it... Most of those resolutions will be gone within five to six weeks. May your troubles last as long as your New Year's resolutions. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Now, the funny thing is, we could go right deep into, do New Year's resolutions work? Do they not? And and mostly they don't. But what we're completely missed is why they don't. Yeah. So resolutions will work for a complex range of things. You have to habitify the action. Yeah. You need to make sure that the goals are clear. You need to think about obstacles there's all these things that you need to do to make goals work so people think do they work at new years no they don't work because people set a goal and they rely on willpower and willpower doesn't work to change Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. and new years is often a really bad time because if we think about our life and how our life goes we habits are based on the context of our life so why set something when you're at the beach drinking heavily with people or you know eating lots and lots of leftover christmas cake it's not a great time to make a change no. because it's not the time that's embedded in you. You're much better to, to make that change on the first day that you go back to work or back to your, to being with the kids or whatever your normal routine is. That is when you should make the change. But what happens is people make it at New Year's, it's gone by the 4th and they've forgotten about yeah. it. So, yeah. I've actually already seen my first couple of Instagram posts with somebody saying, oh, yeah, slipped a little bit on my New Year's resolutions, but they don't really start until the 4th or the 5th. Anyway, do they? I'm like, yeah, they're right. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, not wrong. Okay, right. Why do we place such an importance on physical health equaling wellness when you and I both know that there are plenty of, and I know for a fact, uh, plenty of physical trainers at gyms who have severe body and mental health issues because of the industry that they're in and everything else. Do you think it's just that link of endorphins being in your body producing the good stuff so that your brain goes actually you know what i'm feeling very happy and everything else do you think that's why we do the physical mental thing because like you've said before you know for you it's a bottle of chardonnay and some chocolates for me it's watching a game of ice hockey i'm sitting there and i'm going that's nothing physical um and i know other people you know 
going out to, like I said to most people, what's a good night for you? Oh, when I go out for uh, dinner with my wife and then we go to the movies, we have a really good night. It's nothing, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so why is there such that, that big link on physical and uh, that just thing with wellness? Well, actually, funny enough, I don't think it's so much on the physical or rather it's indirect. I think the biggest link is actually on physical looks and wellness. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about, the Lululemon. And we're, what was initially targeting women heavily, it's now probably catching up and targeting yep. men and, and, and not just white women no. anymore or white yep. men. So it's really the link is that if I look beautiful and look healthy, I'll, I'll be mental, I'll, it'll all follow. And actually, that isn't true. The tragedy of something that is true is that actually for your overall health, that being physically fit is is super important and mm-hmm. more important all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's been so divorced. By being physically fit, you can... I get physically fit, ploundering around in my shed, carrying my power tools, carrying bits yep. of timber, etc., etc. And I've got quite fit doing so. Yep. But that ain't going to make a good Instagram post. No. That ain't going to get me followers as the wellness guru. Yep. So I think what's been conflated is is looks and wellness. And that that, that is just so damaging it's damaging to our youth it's 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 problematic and also maybe why physical comes in is it's harder to it's harder to photograph mental well-being i'm not yeah. sure yeah 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 not so i think it's a really really complex issue yeah. but it's very very dangerous and there is a very big wellness move that's completely non-evidence-based so there's a real there's lots of kind of data and understanding that is that wellness is is getting conflated with all sorts of things, with the anti-vax movement, with the, you know all sorts of yep. um, non-evidence-based things that are crystals, moonbeams, anti-vax, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's this weird. It's fashion. It's a trend almost mm. in social media and the algorithms. So I sort of blame a stack of people that started it and Facebook. Yeah, you're not wrong. And if you read, and I'm sure that you did, if you saw Orlando Bloom's um, routine that he did. Um, in the morning, it just came out a couple of weeks ago. People were like, "Is this guy serious?" But he promotes oh, wellness as well. I yeah. his routine, but you celebrities, celebrities getting into it, like they know anything about it? No, no, not really. Okay, so the Global Wellness in- Institute stated in 2019, the wellness industry is now worth 4.2 trillion dollars, or 5.3 percent of the global economic output. Does that surprise you at all? And that's a two-part question. Why are we all seeking wellness? Because, look, let's be honest, my grandfather, who was a veteran of Dunkirk and Burma and a few other places, I'm sure he didn't go out and seek wellness, and I'm sure that he didn't have the internet and everything else to assist him with it, but he seemed like a fairly happy happy chap. We all know people from sort of the 40s and the 50s that were quite happy with their lives the way they were. They didn't seek wellness, wellness actively, so... Does it surprise you in any way that we're all sort of clambering for it? I don't. I haven't sort of looked into it. Or rather, I've heard bits and pieces. But unlike my normal thing, I can't grab this bit of research and all these numbers. But there is this sense that, um, well, it's clear. This bit is clear that we're getting sort of more depressed. So there's something about freedom and about wealth that's problematic. So we Mm -hmm. get... We're wealthier than your than our yeah, grandparents yeah. were. So we get wealthier, we get more freedom, we get less happy. So then what do we cling on to? We cling on to, because wellness seems to come with happiness. So mm-hmm. we cling on to that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me in any way. And I, and I kind of see it linked like that. But because it's so much like the weight loss industry that that's, was the similar one that did start back yep, then, yep. Um, it's so 
non-evidence-based and so much of it is so empty that in a way that helps it grow because people keep buying they mm-hmm. buy this it doesn't work they pay nine easy payments for this it doesn't work they buy this it doesn't work so it's a it's a and again social media and that whole idea of aspiration so it's almost like we're all trying to go to some perfect and lycra clad yeah. place yeah. that isn't there isn't real and isn't right yeah and then it becomes self-fulfilling it mm. just keeps going and again i'm going to blame you know facebook and that's all that. and so the, that. <laughs> the big theme seemed to be clean eating uh eating in general wearable devices again this is from the global wellness institute uh wellness tourism nutritional supplements physical fitness amazon is now the world's number one bestseller of nutritional supplements and skincare is any of that surprising to you or no, not? No, no, no. And, and what's also not surprising is that um, supplements have been pretty well researched and on balance. My understanding of the on balance is they do no good mm-hmm. and in some cases harm. Yeah. Now I use them for certain things. So using them for certain, like for example, I get low iron and I'll take iron. Yep. So when you use them in certain specific ways, but this idea of let's just buy this and buy this because it's trendy or we saw it online or a multivitamin or what have you. Uh, so yeah, it's not surprising and it's not surprising that it's full of nonsense. And I think there's another move that I'm, you've probably heard me talk about a lot, is that what's becoming unfashionable is science. Yeah, I have chosen to call myself the evidence-based coach as a terrible bit of branding. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. Well, hey, look, it's not a bad piece of branding, but like you say, uh, it's like being a police officer. Evidence isn't very sexy, for want of a better word. Um, there's been great court cases in the States where people have deliberately requested CSI, as they're called over there, um, experts to come in and testify at the case, even though the police officers are there's absolutely no point. The evidence is there. We don't need somebody from CSI. But because that's the sort of sex appeal, then yes. people, yep, we want to and see I that. And I think police have, are sexier than scientists. I actually wrote one blog called The Problem With Science Is Not Enough Sex. And it's just <laughs> uncool. It's just not sexy. It's yep. just not. And I really would like, I'm only half kidding, a movement of getting all the sexiest scientists, getting some Lululemon on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And getting them out there and down with dogs. Yeah, there you go. Telling you to take your vaccinations. There you go. Nothing, and have a gentle walk. Nothing wrong with that. Now, speaking of which, there are absolute truckloads of books by many different authors on topics like, and these are just some of the ones that I spotted at a couple of bookstores, Anxiety, Improved Performance, How to Become a Pseudo-Yoga Guru, an SAS Soldier, a Pseudo-Monk, any of them worth the price of the book, and are your behaviours or values going to change because of the 30 or 40 bucks that you've just spent on a mass-produced paperback? Which, like, like I've said before, in six weeks, you are probably going to be reading the latest um, Jack Reacher and go, yeah, what was that book about again? Is it is it worth it or not? Well, of course, when my book finally comes out, yeah, yeah, it's of course, to yeah, totally be worth it. Yeah, of course, it now, is. Now, the, yeah. the tricky bit here is that uh, the don't judge a book by its cover couldn't be truer. The tricky bit is if you walked into that bookshop and threw a dart, you might land on something excellent Mm -hmm. or nonsense and the problem is how to tell Mm. because they're so convincing and because the really convincing ones are story based and we we for evolutionary reasons we respond to stories so what i would actually love to do i would love to shush the world for 15 minutes and educate them just for 15 minutes on what to do just before you buy the book quickly on your smartphone to know whether or not 
it's going to be any use. And the quick tip I'll give your listeners now, it seems so trivial, but you get the book title and you put in Google and you add the word fraud, you add the word scam, you add the word any <laughs> of those kinds of words, and then before you just trust what you read, look at, is it an article in Forbes, is it an article... You know, on the local community page, whatever it is, because an awful lot of it's quite easy to see through, but not from the book cover. Mm. You need to just go and do a bit of thinking. Look at the author, look at the background. Mm. And even then, it can get like the Malcolm Gladwells of the world that can be very convincing and very using data. But my stats guru that taught me my stats and my PhD used his as the example of where convincing can go wrong so <laughs> so yes and no there is some excellent books yep. in there and it's not as simple as the ones that are just written by the scientists are better than the ones that are not although education is a good place to start if you're looking for a science or wellness book yeah or if you're looking to be inspired by someone's personal story it cannot matter no some of the personal stories some of people that tell their unbelievable story of living with anxiety in a really raw way like the woman um english woman who has that obsessive um focus on sex all the time it's been made into a show oh i can't remember her name okay her book is not evidence-based it's a powerful story and so that's that's a sample size of one and it's yep. evidence-based in that way yeah so personal stories can be inspiring but really watch out for the uh pete evans don't buy his book <laughs> X, any of them i got called don't out by them i got called out last christmas because i saw that michelle obama had released a book which i'm sure her book was very good but then she'd re- released a a wellness journal or a journal or something that was a companion to that or something. And I turned around to my wife and went, that's a crock of shit. She lived in the White House for like four years. Honestly, it's really easy, blah, blah, blah. And I got scolded by my wife. Like, if it's good for somebody, it doesn't mean that it's not so good for you. And actually, I am halfway through her book. There you go. And her hum- her background's very humble. Yep. And so, But again, it's that thing whereby, like I, I, I see your wife's point, where if... It's unlikely because she's also careful and she's a real smart woman. She's unlikely to have any dangerous steamy hoo ha. Exactly. Yeah. Recommendations. Yeah. And sometimes when it works for you, that's fine. So affirmations are things that are proven not to be very good. And when I was in university, someone I really trust was popping them into a course, and I said, "Hey, what's this with the affirmations?" And she said, "Well, sometimes, sometimes science mm. is a bit more and stuff works for you." Yeah. So trying harmless stuff that inspires you. Yep. I love a candle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I read authors uh, for motivational purposes that other people look at and go, no, I wouldn't read that guy. And I'm like, yeah, that's all right. And different folks, different strokes, exactly. I guess. Does it alarm you? And I think I already know the answer to this one. How celebrity and wellness are now seem to go in hand in hand oh. as a qualification for values, mental health, morals, and everything else. Now, as you and I both know, there are lots and lots of ghostwriters in the world and it's really easy to put up a picture of John Smith being the world's biggest celebrity and say, here's John Smith's reason for getting all of those Hollywood movies and everything else. Should we be like really, really worried? Because we hear about young people being influenced by influencers and social media and everything else. But if celebrities are coming out with books on mental health and wellness, and quite clearly, a lot of them don't have a clue about anything. It is it a, a real, real worry? Um, it is absolutely dangerous. One of my uh, one of my favourite books is actually called Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? <laughs> uh, I've forgotten his name as well. Names are not my skill. 
the celebrity culture, particularly coming into wellness, is dangerous. And Pete Evans is another example where he was, I mean, he's, he's been kind of accounted for, yeah. or society's kind of pulled him out of it, and he's less dangerous. But one of his books was recommending a potion you make for kids for you make their own paleo breast milk equivalent that could have killed them with the levels of vitamin A. Yeah. Um, so, particularly in the health space, and I do, I jokingly talk about jade eggs up your hoo-ha, but pushing well, a yeah. jade egg up your hoo-ha, if you're particularly postpartum with pelvic floor dysfunction, which I have, any of that sort of stuff, can cause you serious damage. I read a book recently by a doctor called Adam Kay, who's now a comedian, who was a junior doctor, uh, and he actually had a girl come in who had wanted to surprise her fiancé and placed a kinder egg shell up there and then she was in the ED department trying to get it removed and explain to her, her fiancé what was there. Go, and, go and check it out. That is exactly yep. a cautionary tale yeah, yeah. that needs to be on the Google website. Exactly, right. So one of the things that seems to keep people away from wellness seems to be the perceived cost. There's organic food, there's yoga classes, there's retreats, there's courses, there's journals, there's apps and everything else. Does it really cost that much to achieve wellness? It can cost, um, look, it can cost negative, as in it can save you. Yeah. Um, my yoga is, oh, I did pay $10, no, $4 in an op shop for a yoga mat. Mm-hmm. I recently upgraded to a $30 one that I couldn't resist. Uh, and I use a free app on my head. And that's yoga. Hmm. Yep. Um, so no, it really that is. But again, if if that inspires you, that's fun. But I caution you to avoid that, you know, cycle of habit failure. Where you're like, well, yay, I'm gonna, and you buy all the stuff, and you're all excited, and then it doesn't happen, and then you feel worse because you've got a thousand dollars worth of Lululemon kit and a new paddleboard and a, eh, and then you feel, oh, I'm shit, I failed at this, and, yep. eh, and then you start again, and it's not. The, all the kit had nothing to do with that. What happened is, in that process, you didn't understand how habits work, you didn't understand the science of it, and you tried to use willpower. You tried to use willpower, and money didn't work. So mm. Now, Mark Manson, who wrote a great book called How Not to Give A, says this, Our society today, through the wonders of consumer culture, and hey, my life is way cooler than your social media, has bred a whole bunch of people who believe that having negative experiences, anxiety, fear, guilt, etc. is totally not okay. Which creates a feedback loop from hell because there's a borderline epidemic uh, making many of us overly stressed, overly neurotic and overly self-loathing. Agree or disagree with that? Yeah, and I think it's that same thing about everything has to look perfect and it has to look gorgeous and and to say I'm you know, I'm not doing okay is still incredibly, incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Obviously for us classically for our for our men, but it's hard for all of us. Yeah, yeah, not wrong. Um and that was one of the questions I was gonna ask you before actually was when we did that whole when COVID first hit and everything else and you know, we were getting the it's okay not to be okay and um are you guys feeling anxious because we were going out to people's houses uh, in those days to check to make sure that they were doing their isolation and everything else? I was actually turning around to some of my workmates and saying, "Is there something wrong with me? Because I'm not, I'm not entirely anxious at all. Uh, are any of you guys anxious?" And they're like, "No." And I'm like, "Are we missing something here? Are we that either? Are we that dumb uh, or that sort of raw-hided emotionally that we should we should be anxious here, but we're not?" And they're like, I don't know. Um, do you think that sometimes we get the messages pumped through to us so much about being anxious and everything else that sometimes we sort of go, should I be anxious about the fact that I'm not being anxious? 
Yeah, I'd say there's an individual difference, and, and you know, who knows for you guys, maybe yeah. your conditions to yeah. high levels of stress because you've been doing it your whole career. Yeah. So I imagine that that one, to quote my other favourite guy whose name I forget, <laughs> I think it's a bit more complex than that, which I think was the name of the next book after the Gwyneth Paltrow one. Maybe um, I'm conflating that. There you go. But yes, yeah, so I think there's, it's hard to say in a blanket way. Yeah. Now, again, Mark Manson states in Granddad's Day, he just went, I've just had a shit day went and had a beer or whatever and got on with it but now due to the bombardment of social media images stories it's impossible not to feel something is wrong with you you're anxious about not being anxious you're guilty for feeling because guilty for feeling something that you shouldn't be really feeling and so on um there's constant affirmations and good news everywhere um so are today's kids are they overthinking it or our generation did we underthink it when we were kids because i look at some of the kids today and i'm like I mean, I, as you know, I very often go to community groups and schools. I've heard kids as young as six and seven telling me that they've got post-traumatic stress disorder. I've got PTSD and anxiety. And quite clearly, that's something that their parents have told them. At the age of seven, I was still trying to figure out whether or not how I could actually become a Jedi Knight. Um, yeah, so what's going well, on there? Well, potentially both. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with Manson there no. in terms of... Uh, you know in my in the men in my world it was more likely that there's no way they said I think the word feel was in there they didn't mm-hmm. feel anything feelings weren't be weren't allowed to be had and that caused some of you know there's generational issues that we have yeah. now yeah um I think that certainly and also for the kids now there really is this unbelievable access to anxiety that mm. we didn't get mm-hmm. we had the news which was usually in the care of our parents and we often didn't even watch it yeah. so we didn't have in little things in our hand all of this the world is ending COVID's happening the, yeah. so they are getting your really young kids are getting genuine incredible climate anxiety yeah um, and getting very very stressed about is the world going to be there so I, but also, I don't know, again, it's a complex one, and it's probably, I'm going to go out a dollar each way of course you are, as yeah. well on this yeah, one. Good scientist, yeah yeah yeah, 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 of course you are, yeah. So when you look at the current trends, there's obesity, there's high levels of mental health issues, there are people connected to their devices all the time, there's dysfunctional families, uh, there's resiliency issues, there's anxiety about everything, and an ever-increasing wellness industry. Do you ever get a little bit cynical about the wellness industry? Because, I mean, let's be honest, like I said, those figures before, like 5.3 of the global national, um, sorry, global uh, economic sort of tally, if we're spending that much money on it and everybody's trying to do stuff, surely it should be getting better and not worse, shouldn't it? Well, the funny thing is um, we are very good, humans are very good at focusing on negatives because that's how we, there's evolutionary reasons for that because we had to like check for the tigers and we, you know, (laughs) we're structured in that way. But actually there's some wonderful ones that were doing the round in the middle of COVID, just charts on things and I can't remember the details, but um, childhood vaccinations, how long we live, although that might turn around with some of our bad health behaviours now, but how long we live, um, overall level of wealth across the world. So we are actually, if you look 200 years ago and now, almost everything by all the measures is much better. Mm. Yet we have this kind of obsession of how terrible it is. And even um, lots of places where where crime is going down, people think it's going up. Mm -hmm. Mm. So it's reporting, it's, you know, who really knows... But I'm 100, parking all of that, we don't, it's hard to say. Yeah. The consultant's answer again, because <laughs> uh, I was a consultant well before I was a doctor. Um, yeah, it's, 
Who knows? Who knows? Okay. Who knows? But yeah. yes, 100% cynical. Yep, that's all right. Is it a matter of finding what works for you and making it work for you to help with your wellness and direction in life? Because look, there isn't one size fits all. Um, for some people, it's um, you know the fact that they get to go for a long walk along the beach with them and their dog every day. For other people, it's the fact that they'll sit down and have a tipple every night. For others, like you say, it's some wine and some chocolate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Is it just a matter of finding what works for you and then making yourself, for want of a better term, because it's not a scientific one, once you find something that works and makes you a little bit more psychologically resilient and let you get on with stuff, just actually embracing it and saying, that's my mojo, that's what I do? Yes and no. Yep. Yes, it is about what's working for you. However, it's not just, I think you was just, that's actually surprisingly difficult because it's first of all finding what works for you which is really understanding your values meaning purpose and stuff and mm-hmm. actually that's uh not an easy thing to do mm-hmm. i've taken a, like probably a thousand people through a process i do to help them figure their values mm-hmm. and people think they know their values and they go through the process like oh no i didn't really know them i no. get this yep. so that's the first bit we get the clarity but then usually to get that happiness there is some habits to change like as much as so i like my chardonnay you need to change the habit of drinking every day because then you're dead and you don't get to you know yep. like there's whatever so there is you then need to change habits and to change habits willpower doesn't work so you need to understand some things you need some tools and some knowledge and some science or to be lucky enough to enroll in a program that is evidence-based or to pick up the right book of the you know the one or two on that bookshelf when you threw your dart yeah so yes however the just is tricky all right okay all right so why are women better at the wellness thing than guys are because when you look at the mental health stats the suicides, um, men are the front runners in most of those areas, tragically, absolutely tragically. How do guys get it from a female and a PhD perspective? How do we get better at this? Because everywhere I go or people ask me to come and talk about mental health stuff and I'm like, I'm not a mental health expert, but I'll, I'll happily sit there and talk to you about what I think works for me. And like you say, if you glean something from that, then take it, use it. If you think, actually, you know what, he's dreadfully wrong there, that's all good as well. But... How do we get better at it? Because you hear some people, oh, once if guys just talk a little bit more, that's not going to work for all guys. So what, what do you think? Yeah, and again, that, the, the doctor disclaimer of, again, not my area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I can yeah. talk about the science of habits, and I can talk about yeah, organisation, yeah, yeah. culture, blah, blah, blah. Um, But as an interested, probably reasonably educated observer, yep. I, I do think we do have our... Our, our kind of our deep culture of, of and it links to the domestic violence as well that you hear talking mm-hmm. about this kind of how we create our young men big boys don't cry big yep. boys bottle in and, and that that stuff is still there mm-hmm. that, those messages are still there so there's a real systemic breaking down what's okay and what's not yep. there is also actually which gets quite tense when you talk about it because I'm a fierce feminist but there is also differences, actual differences, evolutionary differences in how we function and how, like for example, you know how it's always the mum that can find stuff in the fridge and the dad oh, yeah. yep. that has an evolutionary purpose because she was off picking the berries, Yep. Uh, he is likely, although I think I'm the dad in that way he is likely to be at a point where North is yep. they had evil, more likely, like it's statistical, more likely, yeah, yeah, yep. I'm the dad in this yep. scenario um, so I I actually think that an awful lot of it is understanding men, understanding women, and supporting men to communicate about their feelings, definitely. Often what I'm, the best thing I'm doing, when I'm doing leadership coaching, I've realized actually the best thing that I'm being is I'm being sitting there 
for a man, well, he can talk about his feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In an environment, he feels safe. Mm -hmm. But not quite, not a terrifying environment because there's big stigma for men going to therapy, which, by the way, I'm all for. But this seems to be an environment where they've never done that. Those have never done that. And suddenly they can talk about their feelings. And from that, amazing stuff flows. So I think there is, yeah, I think we really want to talk more in a more nuanced, more open, more potentially frightening way about gender and gender balances and what we've done. And then bring, there's not just two genders as first, it gets even more complex. Oh yes, it does, yep. Uh, Okay, so there are many, here we go, here's one that you definitely will be able to answer with your doctor's hat on. There are many who believe it's just a matter of discipline to achieve your goals. If you're fat, you eat less, you eat better, and you exercise more, you be healthy. Is that your truth? As far as your research and your opinions, there's a number of military ex-personnel who have written books and everything else. And I know that there are lots of people who listen to this podcast who, oh, I'm not going to say idolise those guys because we're all a little bit too old for um, pagan idols these days. But, yeah, yeah. you know, oh, he says, do this. If I'm more disciplined and I stop doing this, then that will happen. And if I do this and I exercise like seven times a day, then I'm going to feel better. Is that the truth? Is, is more discipline the answer? Okay, so it, it, the answer I'll come at indirectly. Yeah, no worries, yep. Um, knowing something is useless. So something like, I can't remember huge numbers, 60-70% of people after heart, heart uh, like a life-threatening heart attack are not taking their medicines mm-hmm. properly six months later, which could kill them. Mm-hmm. So knowing that you need to exercise more or eat different to lose weight, is absolutely useless. It's not how the mind works. Yeah. So your habit self is not aware. You can't communicate with your habit self. You can't just say, habit self, you're fat, eat less. Yeah. Because that is not how humans are built. Yeah. So more discipline is a wonderful thing to have, but it's not something you can just wake up and say, I'll have more discipline. Mm-hmm. To have more discipline, you need processes and systems and tools, or you need to be in the military where you had no damn choice and they forced it into <laughs> yeah. you either, and then you either fell out and ended up in Ardmore, or like yeah. some people I know, or you, you know, yeah. got discipline. So it's those funny, it's a, it's a, yeah, sure, more discipline's great if you can buy it, yeah. but you can't. Yeah, yeah, I definitely get it, yeah. And that's what, like, some people look at me and go, oh, you're really disciplined, I'm like, I'm not. I, I like to eat crap food sometimes. I like to do this. I might I might be more disciplined than you, but I'm not. Yeah, who knows. Okay, what's the best way to form a habit? Because I've heard a whole bunch of stuff that I've read myself. Um, like, for instance, let's take something really simple. So uh, if I'm going to do a new exercise regime or I'm going to do something, uh, one of the things that they say to me is, you should actually start on a Thursday or a Friday, and then that way you've got the Thursday, the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday in an attempt to try and kickstart that habit as opposed to starting it on a Monday morning because if you start it on a Monday morning, chances are by Tuesday you're going to go, ah, oh, you know what, boom. But if you've managed to eke the discipline out over the weekend, you might have a better chance. So what's the best way of forming a habit? My, my uh, little process I remember is so small, I carry it around written on the back of my business <laughs> yeah, card yeah. it fits there. Uh, although I know it in my head, I refer to it. So um, it's all about the design. So there's, there's kind of three to four key principles Mm -hmm. but how they actually work or how it works in your example depends a bit so the first thing is you need a consistent context Mm -hmm. and context people think of as time and day like you said start on a Thursday or start at the beginning of the week or what have you but context is actually the thing that triggers the habit and it might be something else like it might be you're in a bad relationship and you're drinking too much you're trying to drink less and when you hear the husband or wife's footsteps on the on the veranda 
you feel anxious, that's the context to go get a drink. Right. So the context can be a feeling. It can be anything. So the first thing is think about the context. Think about what's kicking off the habit. The next thing is think about friction. Friction is how easy or hard it is to do a habit. Mm -hmm. So if you want to start a habit, you want low friction. And the classic hack there is sleep with the exercise gear near the bed or sleep in your exercise gear <laughs> or run naked yeah 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 so, so make it real and and ridiculously easy there was this whole um some researchers were at a conference and the english people wanted to eat more fruit they said there's never any fruit and the americans were like i oh, give them fruit and they gave them a fruit bowl and then they didn't eat it because it was out in the and too far away and when they move the fruit bowl near where they walk past they eat it i mean we've all had that experience of oh that fruit's going off a bit we'll put it in the fridge and no one eats it anymore yeah exactly so right you're talking about how disciplined or how motivated or how whatever you are we're all terrible really yeah so we all are incredibly incredibly lazy in many ways around tiny things that you have to do yeah so you've got to make it as easy as possible and that's also why some of our bad habits are so easy to do soup wine in the supermarkets as much as i love it there is terrible <laughs> from this angle okay it's yep. terrible because there's so little friction uh, and there's two habits. There's a drinking wine and the habit of fetching it as you walk from the bread or wherever you go into, oh, look, there's the wine, yeah. Well, there is a reason why they put lollies at the front of the counter, exactly. isn't there? Exactly, yep. because yep. the people selling shit know much more about it than many of the wellness people selling you the wellness. Exactly, yep. <laughs> McDonald's know much more about oh, this. Oh, yep. Uh, the third key bit is reward. And what people think is they think, I need to reward myself off in the future. Like, oh, my child works hard and I'll buy them a car. Mm -hmm. But actually, your habit self, that again, remember, you can't actually talk to your habit self. You have to just understand how he or she or they work mm -hmm. and then hack them. So how my habit self and your habit self work is they want immediate reward during the activity, during the habit, or immediately after it. If the reward's later, it's not linked. And then the fourth bit is repeat. So those, and there's more, there's more bits and pieces mm. and more hacks that you can get. Yep. You can enroll in my course if you want to know. So there's oh, more hacks yep. that you can, can get. But those things, C-F-R-R, Context, friction, reward, repeat. That is the, the best way to that's the best bit. That's that's a couple of books in a couple of minutes. Not wrong, not wrong. Okay, now there are lots of people in society today who say we're going soft, we're snowflakes, um, health anxiety, that's just like, and back in our day we used to call that hypochondria, now it's health anxiety, come on, that's just wokeism gone wrong, isn't it? What would you say to those folks, if I could give you an open platform for two minutes just to sort of say, seriously folks, here, have a look at it, what would I'd you say? say? do you want New Zealand's male suicide to go down or up? Yeah, that's it pretty much, isn't it, to be fair. Uh, all life is suffering, oh, you can't have happiness without suffering. Right? Do you think it's just human nature that we all look for the silver bullet until we actually become comfortable in our own skins? I mean, like I said to you before, I think the older you get, the less you care, the more comfortable you get. And the fact that you are now walking for 40 minutes a day as opposed to running 15 kilometres and coming in where you, you know somebody peels you off the carpet because you're just a, a phys physical wreck um, seems to be better. Do you think that we're all... Do you think it's just a matter of becoming comfortable with yourself? Life is suffering is one of my favourite philosophies. I probably say it to my teen too much. She's like, yeah, I might not. Especially because <laughs> yeah. the poor thing's probably down well, so it's not, not nice. But no. life is suffering. Understanding we're going to die is a terrible thing to be given. Yeah. But... And for some reason, we are always trying to move away from that suffering. And I think actually that's maybe, maybe should have been my answer to the wellness industry thing. Because yeah. it, it's trying to move us, it's trying to give us an instant fix for yeah. suffering. 
my philosophy that I use in my coaching and as an evidence-based philosophy coming out of acceptance and commitment therapy is the idea that life is suffering and I am not in any way trying to support people to remove the suffering. No. It's giving them tools and skills and ideas and evidence-based stuff to live a meaning, fulfilled, engaged life with the suffering. Yeah. You can't take the suffering away. No. You can't manifest any shit. No. No. It's just not going to even... Put on it? your Lululemon, get on the street, <laughs> you can manifest them. Right. Okay, here we go then. How is How important is it to be realistic with our goals and our wellness and our mental health? Because let's be honest, right? And I'll use myself as an example. I'm not going to look like Daniel Craig Ever. It's not going to happen, right? Uh, I'm not going to be in the next Star Wars movie, right? Or I'm not going to be the next Pope either, right? They may have been some of my goals, they're not, but um, I think for me, sometimes I look at people and they say, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, and I look at them and I'm like, oh, it's never going to happen. It just isn't. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, do you think some people, because of the way that the wellness industry is set up and the fact that we've got all these gurus, for want of a better word, telling people, you can do this, you've just got to spend you can do anything. 160 bucks on the app and it will happen for you. Um, do you think that lots and lots of people are unrealistic? with like Because like we've just said, life is suffering, there are going to be some real bad shit moments in your life. doesn't matter who or what you are, they just are. Um, your death included is, is one of those, even though you may not be there, depending on your view. Um, so do you think people sometimes are just completely unrealistic? Yeah, and actually there is quite good research on, on the fact that you want your goals to be a middle ground of ambitious enough and not too ambitious. Mm. If they're not ambitious enough, you're not going to be asked. If they're too ambitious, you're going to just kind of freeze and go, Mwah. Yeah. So actually, it, yeah, the data says that being realistic. The problem is knowing what is realistic, and the issue is even if you set perfect goals, if you don't take actions and get support, social support, huge, by the way, that mm-hmm. we haven't really talked about. Social support is a massive component. And having social support in your life can be more important. Like, it's as big as whether or not you smoke or do shift work or yep. drink heavily for, for, for your outcomes. So, yeah, it's realistic's important, but so is all of it. You know, we, we, we invest all of this in, if we're buying a car, we, we just go and we look for hours and we read every review. And if we invested half the energy into considering how goals work and how I change habits from an evidence-based way, you know, things would be better. Only better, though, because people aren't built well. No. Our brains were not designed for this age. No, not wrong. We are, we, we're cave people and we open our fridge and it's full of food and our cave self's going... Eat the food! Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. And I've, I remember seeing somewhere with, uh, what was it, the average number of thoughts that a kid had during the 70s as opposed to now, and it's just like, <laughs> light years ahead. Now, you mentioned that social support, so if you, because I know that there will be some people listening to this who, who have got a New Year's resolution, good luck to you, should they actually say to people around them, here's what my New Year's resolution or here's what my goal for this year is going to be, might be my word of the year or whatever, um, so that you all know and so that you can actually help me because we've all seen those people in workplaces, you know, who come in on the Monday and they're eating like a lettuce leaf or um, all of a sudden they've got an aromatherapy um, device beside them and you're like, what's that all about? So, oh, it's my year to be more peaceful this year. You're like, oh, okay then. Um, And sometimes there are, I'm going to say for want of a better word, Assholes who will go out of their way to try and 
prod break people. It. Yeah, break. Yeah. I'm going to break that. Um, but should they actually come out and sort of say, "Hey, guys, I'd really like your support with this. This is what I'm trying to achieve for the year." So they get that social support. Yeah, that has again been researched that if you if you share, you are more likely. Whether that's on social media, whether that's with someone, but you've got to do it right for you. So yep. don't share. And in our drinking culture, I've seen people just you know people with serious drinking problems give up and then they get hassled to drinking by their friends. So yep. don't share with those guys. Maybe think about those yeah, friends. Yeah. So choose people that you think really will support you. Yeah. Um, now, first responders and veterans are not the best examples when it comes to sleep patterns, PTSD, stress, family life, uh, which in the long run can have some really adverse effects on us. What are some real simple life hacks or things that you reckon we could do to help ourselves just off the top of our head, off the top of your head, I should say? Obviously, the first one is making sure putting your hand up because again those areas can be pretty bad for saying I'm not coping this one was bad so um but the other one is mindfulness is one of the things that sort of is aligned with crystal moves and moon memes but is actually a science one (laughs) yeah in my research and a lot of people are put off by mindfulness because they think oh it's a big thing that I've you know big thing that I haven't got time for and I'm busy running and eating carrots and Mm -hmm. getting my aromatherapy but you can just do a mindfulness process in 20 seconds there's a good little one which is about which is ace so you are aware of a thought or feeling that's A, C, come into your body. Notice your body. And you know when you come into your body, you feel it? Yep. I can feel it on the seat. I can feel my breath. Okay? Yep. And then E, engage. Yep. Come out and look at the world. See a thing. Notice what you're seeing. Maybe count three colors or, or listen for three sounds. So that tiny process that you can do as quickly as we did it then, or you can do a 10-minute version online. Yep. Um, and doing that kind of throughout the day can be a great way to use that as a stress thing that isn't an extra big thing. Mm-hmm. Mm, not wrong. Okay, so do you get tired of people thinking all the time, well, that's all right for her to say. She's got a PhD in organisational psychology. I mean, she'll have her shit so well together, it's just unbelievable. Do you get tired of being sort of, I'm not going to say a guru, but a sort of, well, it's okay for you to say, Rach, because you've got the PhD, you know all this stuff, and yeah. Is it difficult sometimes to be... You? Um, the good news is I am pretty, um, with the people that know me, I'm pretty um, straight and yeah. direct and, and I am in no way perfect. I did drink far too much wine and eat far too much sugar in lockdown. Um, and so I guess because I am very careful to try not to, or to embrace my imperfection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My story is I'm in, and I just say in coaching. I'm imperfect. I'm no better than you. But it's like I'm climbing a mountain and you're climbing a mountain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And from my mountain, I can see your mountain. So I've got a better view than you. It's yep. a mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also because I've got a PhD and, you know, I've got a few climbing things and some clump <laughs> Yeah, a few more crampons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but, but I might, in fact, often I'm behi- technically say behind clients. Yeah. But I happen to have this perspective. And it turns out I've got some pretty good skills on making people feel valued and listened to and, you know, stuff. But in no way, in no way am I, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm also neurodiverse, which is so I'm almost certainly dyslexic. I'm highly likely to be ADHD and wanted to get diagnosis, but do you know how much that costs in uh, time yeah, and money yeah, as an exactly, adult? Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely, um, yep. yeah. All right, now the final question, well, not the final question, but the, the last big question we ask is the day of reckoning has come. And you're lying there in your casket, but strangely, just oh. just because we can on this show, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can hear what people are saying about you. What would you like 
people to say about Dr. Rachel McInnes after she's gone? That is so funny and a bit mean because I ask all my clients that in the values process. Oh, there you go. Cool. Uh, And I haven't answered for myself. Do you know what? I want them to say, um, you know, she made a difference. But man, she was fun. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. So that is your cappuccino, Dr. Rachel McInnes. But before we go any further, social media, where do we follow you? Because you got... You're getting quite good on social media now. Uh, you've got some courses coming up, haven't you? Yep. So I've got the Can Plan. Yep. Uh, which is actually gamified, so you get points and bells and whistles. Boom. Yep. And that covers all this the habits, the values, the stuff. Yep. So, yep. That okay. is going. It's in beta testing at the moment, so it's 90% discounted until Monday. Boom. Get in. <laughs> but yep. by the time you hear it, it might be um, it going over. live. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, all right. But it's going live, fully live. Okay. And you'll see on LinkedIn. Okay. And where's the best place to. Uh, for us to follow you on social media uh, if people either want to contact you or they want to just see some of the stuff that you pop up like because uh, I see some of the stuff that you pop on LinkedIn I'm like yeah that's really interesting so is it LinkedIn? Is LinkedIn it... actually funny enough I have just broken up with the others oh really? Um, because I I was spreading myself too thin yeah, 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 and yeah. I want to do a better job on LinkedIn and offer more so you can come to the website at drrachelm.com or you can find me at drrachelm.com on LinkedIn Easy. or you can just have a chat yeah. Far too easy. Thank you very much for your time because I know that you're extremely busy. And it's, let's be honest, it's a Friday afternoon as well. We could be doing better. Yeah, 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 too true. <laughs> so I really appreciate it. Really appreciate thank the fact you, that you've come in you. and, and spoken to us about it. I know we've been trying to get together for ages to get this done, but um, listen to what Rachel's got to say because uh, she's probably one of the smartest people I know with this. Um, and if you do want to break some of those habits, or you do want to get some new habits, or you do want to create some new stuff, go and check out her plan, um, and go and check in with her on LinkedIn. She's always up for a chat on LinkedIn. Uh, remember, she's only got two thumbs, though, so please don't <laughs> tell you you're sort of <laughs> thousands of ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so all good. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. But please, do Constable Brian and I a favour, and be sure to subscribe, so you don't miss out on the next Coppuccino podcast. Real people, real stories.